Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the listening party with Adam and me, Mike. We are and shall forevermore remain men of no consequence, but actually hoping to gain consequence by 2026. That's, okay. that's the game plan. Yep. That's Current the, state uh, of play. I mean, in fairness, that's that's that would be the end of the 10 year plan, uh, which, to be fair, is is looking like we might have to put it back. But let's think positively. Yeah, these first four years have not turned out well at all. <laughs> Real, real back to the drawing board here, I think, lads. But anyway, here we are, and we're here. Well, I should say the premise of our little show is um, every every party, we call it every party, every episode, one of us will pick an album, something we might love, something we might hate, something we have no idea and just fancy and listen to it for the first time. And then we're just going to have a good old chat about it. That's what any of us love about listening to music is chatting about it. Oh yeah, listening to it really is only half the pleasure. It's only it's only half the plan. Criticizing it slash extolling its virtues really is where that's, 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 where, that's where a lot of the joy is. Oh yeah, and that's where the real money is. I've been told by no one. <laughs> <laughs> and this party twenty-two, we are talking about nineteen seventy-eight night flights. By the Walker Brothers. Give it its full title, Mike. The Magisterial Night Flights. I nearly went with Magisterial, but no, I'm going to go with Night Flights. Because, as we'll discuss, some of it is Magisterial, some of it is fine. And some of it is a disco album that they bolted on the end. Yes. Strange, <laughs> strange hazy, mysterious choice at work here. So, shall we just crack on with a bit of context? Well, I think I rather think we had better had because the context is half the fascination with the album, I think. Context, 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 context. Hmm. And it's a really good story. Right, so let's get cracking then. So released in July 1978 on GTO Records. Night Flights proved to be the sixth and final album by the Walker Brothers. Um, Walker Brothers are made up of three men who were not actually brothers. Spoiler warning. So, <laughs> Imagine, if you will, for one minute, somebody that doesn't know that deciding to pick a, a podcast about Night Flights of all of their outputs. And this is, I'm sorry this is how you found out. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. The hat flying off their head. <laughs> what?! Just peeling back the magician's cloth, early doors. Oh no, boy, strap yourself in. <laughs> That's a shocker for you. So the Walker Brothers consisted of Scott Engel, Gary Leeds, and John Mouse, who were US musicians who moved to Britain in 1965. They first formed in 1964. So it was a pretty quick uh, turnaround from forming to let's bugger off to Britain. That's where all the money's at. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they adopted the Walker Brothers. Moniker as a, a showbiz thing. It's a bit of a showbiz thing. Well, it's a lovely showbiz touch. Oh, well. yeah, it, it is, yeah. As they formed, it was actually John was the one performing as John Walker. And for all of his uh, avant pretensions, which I salute him for, 
he had enough of an eye on marketing to not release any of his albums under Noel Engel. Probably stick with Scott Walker. Stick with what people know. Well, yeah, we've not even mentioned that part yet. Scott Engel isn't, you know, the great, uh, I think these days, avant-garde icon, but it's Scott Walker. Uh, But no, I think Scott Engel released Scott 4 as Scott Engel. Oh, did he? Which is partly why they put it down to it's doing zero business. Which is presumably why on all subsequent reissues it's... Scott Walker. Emblazoned with Scott Walker. Scott Walker, Scott Walker, Scott Walker. <laughs> hey, fuckers, Scott Walker. Yeah, so up and, you know, uh, Scott Walker would been something, of, well, I was going to say a child star, but not really, he, he'd been working since a teenager. He'd been a young crooner, then became a bass player and everything. So he was kind of like a showbiz kid, really. Yeah. Is it the case that the other two met first? Or did then did it was it him and John and then they met Gaz? Yes, it was uh, dear Scotty and dear Johnny met up with dear Gazmoz. Oh yeah, so when the Walker brothers, uh, well, when John and Scott got together, they originally had a drummer called Al Tiny Schneider. Before um, uh, yeah, before being replaced by Gary, who was formerly of the Standells, a band I feel like I've heard mentioned before, but couldn't tell you a song. The thing is, it's just one of those generic sort of 60s names, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And John had been performing under the name Walker for a while and uh, had uh, travelled the Midwest with Engel, who had previously played bass in the instrumental band The Rooters. And it was Gary, along with Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, who persuaded them that the band's, uh, band's rock and roll and blues style would go down well in swinging London. And, and then, then they got to London and abandoned that raucous R&B style yes. almost entirely, almost immediately. In favour of some <laughs> gentle, it's just uh, pop ballads, really. I'll tell you what, though. I read a lovely line in um, a Guardian article after he died, who said they were firmly middle of the road. But where did the road lead to? Oh, questions. <laughs> it is nice. It's a good line. They can, they can take a bow. <laughs> but did, did they answer that question? I think uh, they were discussing the sun ain't going to shine anymore uh, and it's existentialist sort of, well, overturns. Um, and I, so I feel that the rhetorical question is justified. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yes, yeah, so they did have, they had two number one out, um, singles in the UK, one of which was the aforementioned the sun ain't going to shine anymore and also which make it is easy on a yourself. Total. Belter. It is. And it was originally intended for the Four Seasons in Frankie Valley. Well, I'm, I'm pleased that they gave it to the galaxy-sized voice of Scott Walker instead. Oh, my, yes. Well, apparently, wasn't he wasn't the singer originally, was he? They just discovered that he had the... <laughs> yeah, so John John was the main guy, and then... Scott like a disappointed a bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yes, and after a number of hit singles, after success of uh, Sunny Guys Shining More, Scott became huge, and their fan club was said to have been bigger than the Beatles. For a bit. For a in bit, the 60s. Mike. For a bit, still, you know, still claim to hey, fame. They've Which always can... got it. Nobody can take it off them. And it... But I think if we're talking about probably global reach, the oh, Beatles God. have pipped them ever so slightly. Get off your Beatles pedestal for one minute and join the rest of us down here in normalcy. 
look. You could just give them the Walker Brothers that small, small little concession. Hey, they can have for it a brief for a bit. Of time. Yeah, you know, the Beatles don't need anyone else fighting their corner. They've got enough. They don't need you joining the fray. <laughs> they don't they? Don't, they don't need me joining the fray because it's self-explanatory. Oh, in '67, they had to leave the country for six months because of work permits. The country being Britain. Yeah. So some good good forward planning there, as you would a five-year plan. As pop moved on, the brothers began to sound dated. By the end of 67, the pressures of stardom, internal tensions, and artistic differences began to weaken the group. After a tour of Japan in 68, they disbanded. And the three recorded solo albums up until 1974, when they reformed to release 1975's No Regrets, which was... No Regrets... Which was fo quickly followed up with uh, the album Lines in 1976. Both um, relatively middle of the road albums and mostly covers. I think all covers actually. Although Lines is worth listening for the title track alone. It's a good song. Is No Regrets a cover? Yes, it is, I believe. Something country, is it? Yes, because I mean that was something Scott Walker got. So Scott Walker, obviously, who who among us can remember Gary or John's dear attempts at solo stardom? Well, I thought that interestingly, um, they have written a book together, yes. presumably because the publishers sent. Sorry, just Gary Walker. I <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. So they got the two of them to write a book together. They may as well have just called it the other two. Yeah, brackets Walker Brothers. And then, yeah, it's called No Regrets, which I was hoping to get hold of a copy of prior to the recording. That is not possible. Oh. But I am going to buy that and I am going to read it because uh, even if it's just for the chapter on this record. Mm. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth mentioning Scott's output in between that period. So he went away and made... Sorry, what are the years we're talking about? Say, tell us when Lines was again. So Lines is 76. Um, right. So they disbanded in 68 and I believe Scott brought out his first album the very same year. So I mean, Scott, Scott one has got, I think, the cover where a solo artist probably looks coolest than... Yes. I mean, he defines what cool was in the late 60s. The I late think. 60s, yeah. So it's a, a, like For a me, C, at least. It's a sepia image of him in sunglasses, big coat and scarf, and it's just, it's just really cool. Yeah. He looks so cool. Actually, all his solo album covers are pretty good. Especially uh, number three, where it's, it's his reflection in a lady's eye. Yeah, I mean, that's quite good. It's pretty good. So, yeah, it, he released four self-titled albums and two of the band comes in, uh, which are all great solo albums, but no one bought them, basically. Well, we're diminishing returns of each one, I should say. So Yeah, I thought Scott's one through three were okay, yeah. sales-wise. Then four just fell off a cliff, and then to well, a bank four, when he starts doing more of his own stuff. Yeah, which apparently back then no one wanted to hear. Uh, I just preface it now saying we will absolutely be doing Scott four at some point on this podcast. Yeah, we will. That is a guarantee. Do a song about Stalin and yet give it the funkiest bass hook <laughs> in existence. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and then after that, after the kind of commercial failure, Scott ends up just going into this no man's land of doing bland middle of the road covers and country songs. Uh, oh, just... don't forget the drinking, Mike. He did an awful lot of that. I assume so. <laughs> it was the 70s after all. So Scott Walker's output, including 
with the Walker Brothers in the 70s is just very much uh, meh affair. I mean, I've been trying to get all the Scott Walker's albums on vinyl and the ones in the mid-70s, they're hard to come by. And when you do, you're paying a pretty penny. But it's just like, I don't want to pay that much for such well, middling music. I was going to say, you're paying a pretty penny, but it's only worth that because of scarcity. It's not worth yes. it because it's highly cherished. It's just yeah. completist. I mean, if it was a case of you couldn't get hold of Scott Four and you were looking at paying 200 quid, I may eventually go for that because the music within is great, but I'm not forking out 100 quid for We Had It All. No, I mean, there is a fundamental difference between you and me there is that I would not pay £200 for Scott Four, uh, but I also wouldn't pay £200 for, for a record. Well, you've got dependencies, which I don't. There is that. Mm. There is, I mean, there is that. I mean, I've, it, got, I've got nursery fees to pay, and believe me, they are a pretty I mean, penny. I'd look at you cockeyed if you came to me and said, well, well it's 200 quid. You have a child, man. <laughs> Get your priorities straight. Can she eat groove? <laughs> so yes, Night Flights followed uh, Lines by two years and it was, I think, safe to say they decided that their time was over. They weren't producing the hits they used to and they thought, do you know what? Let's call this a day, lads. But should we just go out in a blaze of glory of potentially our finest achievements or just burning their house down on the way out and saying, screw you, everyone. Well, this is where I'm hoping you can help. What would you... Because I think there is there is a radical departure in Scott's material from mm. his previous solo work, certainly the solo work that I've heard, and I don't claim to be an authority, but I've got Scott's one through four. I don't have it till the band comes in. But there is... You can absolutely hear where he will let, end up you can hear shades of tilt in it. Oh, yeah. I think you would agree. And probably the drift. But you, I cannot hear Scott one through four, really, apart from the strings. So what was he listening to? Because what I think is fascinating is that he gives the impression of essentially marching to the beat of his own drum. Like mm. what he makes is so radically out of step with the rest of, well, certainly the rest of the music that I'm aware of. Like, nobody sounds like him. No. So what is he listening to, other than classical? I mean, th thematically, some of the, the lyrical content does sort of carry on from Scott yeah, sorry. Moore. Sorry, I absolutely bear you out. Lyrically, yes. Mm. Musically. Um, well, the word has it that he'd heard Bowie's Heroes and thought, I want some of that sort of dark electronic infused stuff that that's the sound i've been looking for to put my deep dark politically minded narratives to that's the sound i need it's not orchestra anymore it's this otherworldly electronic sound and to what extent were john and gary listening to the same stuff and to what extent were they led by him because the the truism that you'll see in all the reviews is that the first four songs are essentially an EP, and mm. they were, of course, released as an EP. They were but, uh, later, same year, just as the shutout EP. Yeah. So, which must, that must have stung. <laughs> but, uh, hey, can, can we not put Death of Romance out? <laughs> the, hey? received, the received wisdom is true that his his are so far ahead of the others, and I, I like the middle two, and then I think it drops. But to what extent were they going? Hey, Scott, that seems like a swell idea. Yeah, sure. 
or were they did they discuss it were they willing contemporaries or were they just going was it entirely three solo efforts with them on backing well looking into the uh, the personnel list of the individual songs it does seem to bear out more that they were individual projects as opposed to they all helped each other out and i mean that some degree they they are because clearly john is doing backing vocals on scott's songs and vice versa and scott uh, does some bass on gary's and so they do little bits but it's not like you've not got all three of them on all the same songs. It's a shame because you'd like to imagine them sort of palling around together in the studio going, hey, wait until everybody gets a load of this. I mean, I I imagine how they sound. I mean, when I listen to The Electrician, I don't hear a jot of Gary in there. No, but when you listen to The Electrician, you don't really hear anything but Scott. And Doom. And lots of Doom. Lashings of Doom. Yes, uh, so yeah, the, the album is notable for featuring Scott's first original material since the 1970s to the band comes in. So a whole eight years, considering he's now considered this great titan of artistic achievement, you know, seven years where you're just like, mm, no, I'm not going to write anything. I've been burned, baby. Well, he probably had enough money. Mm, maybe. Uh, yeah, and something I'd forgotten about, but the album was actually out of print until the mid-90s. And uh, it wasn't until 2001 that it started resurfacing on essentially bootlegged copies. Yeah, you, they've caught on to that. You can definitely buy copies of it now. They're not oh, cheap, absolutely, yeah. but they exist. Yes, I remember when I was going through my first flush of Scott Walker, uh, I had to eBay night flights. And Have you got it? Uh, yeah, I've got the CD of it still. That's not having it. <laughs> oh, no, I've got the no. vinyl as well. Oh, have you? Yeah. My, Which my... one have you? The gatefold or the... The gatefold, yeah. What's in, what's the inside? Ah, oh, but that's nice. Yeah. And you can see the other two. And typical Scott, he's put himself in the middle, distorted. Right, right on the crease. He's made himself hard to see. And Much realize... like the is it which which album is it where he's covering his face with a beer in his hand? Oh, that's no regrets. Yeah. I'm demonstrating, ironically, massive regret. <laughs> So I'm not entirely, I can't remember. That's it. Um, Hypnosis did the design cover. So they're the, they're the uh, yeah, yeah, outfit yeah. that did all the Pink Floyd. Yeah, and, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that is, and it is a pretty boss uh, album cover. If you, if you can picture everyone, it's sort of just black and white photos of the band kind of with white slots of light coming through. It's pretty cool. Yes, point, purchased for me by my dear aunt. Ricky, yeah, a big fan. I was dropping some big old hints that, that I'd like a copy of that for Father's Day. It, it landed on deaf ears. That's a shame. As, because I was so convinced that I think when I did open a copy of Abbey Road, uh, which, you know, I did one and I am pleased to receive, there was clearly an immediate, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I remember purchasing it on CD for about 20 quid, which even then was like, that's, that's a little bit yeah. of money for a CD, even then. Um, but damn it, I wanted it. Uh, yeah, it's relatively freely available now. Although still not cheap. Yeah, still not cheap. Um, and, and you're essentially paying quite a lot of money for an EP. And other songs! An EP and two other songs that are quite good, and then four more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it must be said about this album. It really is uh, each passing... Well... A strong opening. I read earlier on Discogs, I read a review of somebody that said the first four songs are great, 
and the last four songs are good, and the less said the better about the two in the middle. Disagree. Are you, are you high? What? Are you, can you hear yourself, man? What is this sub-disco wreck at the, at the back end of the record? Yes, yeah, so compared this... to the genuinely, I think I, I think well, we'll come to it, but I think Den Hay is great. So yeah, you got you got four songs by Scott, you got two by Gary in the middle, sandwiching it all, and then you got John taking up the rear with four. Oh, John. Have a word with yourself. Have a word, John. Come on. I'm out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you've got no regrets. So, I mean, I'm half tempted to do Gary and John up front to get them out of the way so we can talk about Scott. But at the same time, it's it's so important that Scott starts the album. I mean, what worries me is that by the time we get around to Scott, I'll be tired. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> we best get on with Scott then because there's much to talk about. Okay, we open with Shut Out. It explodes with a sense of immediacy that he doesn't actually really do for the other songs on there. But so there's that that's that irresistible sort of drum beat. And then what I love is that guitar bit, yeah. which screams over the top of it. it. But it sounds like the guitar is desperately trying to jump out of the hands of whichever madman is attempting to tame that wild beast. And then you hear Scott saying, throw off your kids to the, to the boys, let them send it all up in the air. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I just immediately, it sounds like nothing else the Walker Brothers have ever done. And, and crucially, Nothing else they ever will do because Nothing this is their last record. The last dance. So, you know, they've gone from doing country covers and lovely lush 60s pop bands, and then you've just got this. You got that metronomic drum again, a bit like we talked about in the fall last time. And Scott right there with his bass just going. He's showing off he can play bass on this. And then, yeah, just, just half a song is just a screaming guitar solo. Yeah, it's just filthy. It's filthy stuff. And I like the fact that the song never, never gives an inch. Mm. It maintains that sort of panic. <laughs> yeah, no, panic is a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. I love. I like the way that because um, Scott's voice is clearly the main thing here, but with John in the background lowering a mix, it kind of gives a weird alien disorienting quality to it because their voices are very distinct of each other. So they don't. It's not very. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? They don't really sync up that well. They're very two very distinct vocals. And I think mm. when on Climate of Shandling uh, on track three, which features Billy Ocean, there's that same quality to it. It's almost like um, on that, Scott Walker's trying to use Billy Ocean as his John Walker again. because It's almost jarring. Yeah. But it, in, a, in a wholly pleasant way. Yeah, because Scott's got a really lush baritone and John's a bit more up here. Well, he's, he's, he does have a lush baritone, but on some of the songs here, he is, he's all, he's not straining because he's got one hell of a voice, but he's definitely in the upper parts of his register. Yeah. Kick the sleep time dream. Yeah. Because of again, a city like the sky. When you're in the drive to work in the car test, mm -hmm. um, 
it, some of it is a strain, even though <laughs> ostensibly he's a baritone. Something attacked the earth last yeah, night. Yeah, that's that's particularly great. I also really like moving, hitting, holding on <laughs> of a promise to carry us home. And then that drum in the shutout. Oh god, yeah, the shutout's so good. I really also like uh cut the sleep top boys who dreamed and dreamed of a city like the sky. Right, I think at this point we've now covered all the lyrics of Shut Out. Um, uh, no, because we haven't done. There is crouching and wailing on stone down there. <laughs> but there's crouching and wailing. Mm-hmm. That is a departure from things like, there's no regrets. <laughs> yes, it's something a bit more apocalyptic and disturbing. Exactly that, <laughs> exactly that. It's, it's, yes. it's, it, is, it sounds like the end of the world. But Yeah, this is a funky rendering of the end of the world. The Shut Out is the apocalypse. Yeah. Run for the distant city. And, and this is where you really just start to interrogate the lyrics. You're just like, what the hell is he talking about? The last, well, the last that, line of it is, how will we know the great doll? <laughs> what? The great doll? Sorry, what? It's the thing we worship after the fall of society. Oh, my bad. I mean, you, um, you, you've already said it. Something attacked the earth last night. <laughs> There's pointing going on. There's pointing at a big fireball in the sky. He's, he's really stretching himself, isn't he? It's almost like he thinks, I may not even be able to do another solo album. This mm. may actually be it. I may be living on, the sun ain't going to shine any more royalties for the rest of my life. So I've, had, I've got all of these ideas. Let's throw them all in. And I'm going to make something. Like somebody wrote online that this is, the album represents the last time. Oh, sorry. It's... He's no longer and will never ever be chasing chart success ever no. again. And it, he must have been so pleasantly surprised when he realised that he was able to sustain a career never pursuing chart success. Yeah, because by all accounts, he absolutely hated being famous. Which we you know doesn't. You don't even have to preface that by saying by all accounts. You just <coughs> by how his later career went, and he just went to self-imposed. Just, yes, I mean, you've also got his behaviour and the things he said, and all of those times that he said he hated it. <laughs> I mean, a man who, a, a celebration of his work and life at the Barbican, decided not to either go on stage or perform, just sat in the lighting booth, making sure the levels were just right for all the other performers to do his songs. He's and then, of... then at the end, just shadowily waved to the crowd a little bit, like, oh, yeah. hello. Hello, like, Scott. Like the, the the stories that he would go into the studio with his new sorry into the record label with his new album, turn the speakers up as high as they would go, listen to it with them, and then go. Well, I'm never going to hear it again. So uh, anyway, I hope we all enjoyed that. All the best. God bless. God bless. Yeah. Which, if you're working in that office that day, would be really annoying. I'm trying yeah. to get some work done, Scott. Particularly Walker. if what Scott Walker has brought in his bitch bosh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fart noise? Are you taking the piss? <laughs> oh, it's Scott Walker. Oh, blow it. Uh, I'm going to work from home on Tuesday. Walker's in again. Oh, God. <laughs> You've, it's amazing how quickly they come around because you know, it makes an album every freaking seven years. What, again? Oh, oh God. Yeah, I love, love the shutout. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, I still get excited listening to Shut Out. I can just throw it. I mean, I, I first listened to this album in 2007, 2007 and 
as I'll go on to Night Flights, Night Flights continues to be on my immediate shuffle. It's not even a song I come back to now and then. Night Flights and to a degree of Shutout have been consistently in my top songs for the last 40 yeah, years. Yeah, I've, um, I've taken to describing Night Flights as my summer jam, um, mm. which, you know, lends barbecues an ethereal air. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Some quizzical also, looks. I would also say I would put Fat Mama Kick in there as well. See, Fat Mama Kick is a where the shutout is the apocalypse written funk. Fat Mama Kick is just deranged despair. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> with the tortured death mules of a saxophone being yeah. throttled to death. But yeah, there is something so gleeful about a chorus which is just a, a faded sixties pop star bellowing deaf dumb blind at you while again the saxophone goes in has an Bring epileptic the fit yeah so the same way you got this deaf dumb blind you got this crazy ass guitar solo on shutout and then you just got this what the hell is this saxophone on fat mama kick yeah and where's it been all my life <laughs> see for sometimes i think fat mama kick is my lesser favorite of the four but i think that's just because of the immediacy and the balls to the wall madness of shutout and then that initial open at of fat mama kick that bam 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 it doesn't quite get me in the feels that much but as the song goes on and like you say you get to death don't burn oh i'm in i'm in on this yeah 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 i'm here now i'm i'm oh and i'm here for eternity death dumb blind yeah so depending on what source you read um it's the song is a thematic follow-up to Scott Four's The Old Man's Back Again. And it's a commentary oh, on okay. Soviet authoritarianism. Yes, it is quite difficult to see that. Yeah, you have to read some stuff to get <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Um, early presses of the album had the song dedicated to Bernard Henri uh, Levy, an anti-Marxist scholar, who at the time of the song's writing published his work Barbarism with a Human Face. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Scott's done some reading. I mean, his reading is a little bit more oblique than mm. when some famed pop stars have been doing their reading. But I really, really like um, Till the War with the Night is Over. The gods are gone, the air is thick. You can't resist the fat, fat mama kick. It's, what? I, I can't work out what the fat mama is or I was gonna say, who they so, are kicking. So what is a fat mama kick? Who can say? Are they deaf, dumb, blind? One, would, one can only assume. God, is this a dark song? Yeah. Just, son, just sonically dark. It's just a lot of things being thrown at you here, but just really disquieting. Oh, hurling brass instruments down the stairs. Yeah. It's and a caterwauling crash-bang wallop of a song which is built and hinges around the war cry of deaf, dumb, blind. Yeah, and the whole way through, it's just got this uh, really industrial like rumble in the background as well, mm. which is just mm -hmm. like, it's almost like David Lynch levels of industrial noise. It's just got this rumble. It doesn't do anything. It's just there, embedded into the track. But just, again, it just throws you off sonically. It's like, well, what is happening here? What's going on? You know the word they use about um, free jazz sometimes, or scronk? Mm. That noise that saxophones make. That this song scronks. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got scronk in spades. Yeah, hasn't it? 
Oh, and there's an organ as well. Forgot about the organ. And it's been served piping hot as well. Piping hot scronk with a side dish of organ. Sun fighter locked in right angled rooms. Watch their lovers sleep face down in the yellow. God, I can't read my writing. Yellow something. Yeah, again. Yellow it... light. Yellow light, yeah. So again, is it... we talking about political prisoners here? As such, and the other. I assume so. Because that's the main theme of these songs, it seems to be. It seems totalitarian uh, beating down well, the proletariat. Certainly, certainly that's true of the electrician, isn't it? Oh, my, yes. Well, night I, flights yeah. is anyone's guess. Yeah, I have no idea what night flights is about. Uh, I don't, but I love how it sounds not making well, sense. No, no, quite. Um, well, let's just go to night flights. Night Yay! flights. <laughs> Nightlife is the most lush and orchestral piece of terrifying nonsense that has ever existed. How can anything sound as wonderfully warm as that? Yes. Whilst also being so unnerving. I, I, I've never put this song on and not got instantly excited when I hear that initial... So it should be said, all the, the strings on this, it's all simps. It's all just, but it's the most lush sounding simps. Would you also say, would you agree with me that his voice sounds so great on Night Flights? Whereas on Shut Out and Fat Mama Kick, at times it's really just, he's bellowing out. On this one, he's, he's more benevolent sounding. There's no hold. The moving has come through. The danger passing you. Yeah. Glass traps open and closed on night flights. Oh, it is. Okay, so what, what, what would the glass trap be? I don't know. Why is it opening? I have no idea at all, but it's one. Unless you are reading or have read the lyrics. It's quite difficult to actually tell what he's saying. So when you're singing along, often you're just going, Glad pack, hope and club, night flights. <laughs> night flights. <laughs> and the night flights. There's so much in this song that I just love. That descending bass at the start, just the cinematic strings, the constant piano, just, just kind of... Down, 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 down. The way he, he sort of... The the, the, the the slight hint of panic when he sings It's So Cold at the beginning it's of so the... It's so cold. It's so cold. And then the, the last line of that one was the raw meat fist you closed. How's it the bloodline? What does it mean? Who knows? And, <laughs> and crucially, who could care? Yeah, when I you're enjoying it sounds. Such... It's like the perfect song. A yeah. <laughs> That you can read it for hours. You die. You, it is impossible to get tired of. Yeah, I've. Ne- I could I've listen never to this song back to back for ten times and not be fed up of it. And I have last week. I still. Yeah, have. oh man, alive. Yeah. When when you, when you, listen you feel to this out album, of a sense of duty, you put like, the whole thing on shuffle, and then you are going, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I've listened to this album down, last down, week, down, down. yes, <laughs> I've never got past night flights without giving at least five listens. 
just you know well you're only human that's that's my next 20 minutes of just night flights yeah and, and crucially gary's not on drums on this it's I'll frank gibson what, the next time that you and i are aggravating your next door neighbor by howling at the moon mm. it won't simply be nick cave it'll be night flights <laughs> i mean it's just how how did the Walker Brothers end up making Night Flight? I know, yeah, this yes, it's Scott, but how I did know, the Walker Brothers make Night Flights the song? Who knows? How is how is this possible? How is it that if you consider, I mean, the only person I think is comparable is Tom Waits, mm. somebody that starts off making ring quite, the Waits bell, yeah, somebody that starts off making quite accessible music and then disappears in a into a, a cloud of majesty and obscurity. Everybody, look at Nick Cave. He starts I with am. the the crash bang wallop of the birthday party. Yeah, obviously, boys next door. And then he ends up making music that isn't a million miles away from the Walker Brothers. No, it's not. A carnage is lots of strings, lots of a deep voice crooning. It's yeah. lovely and warm, and, and uh, there is great beauty there. Yeah, but he's turned his back on all the noise. Whereas he embraces it and the chaos. And that happens in the wrong direction. It does, yeah. No he, one yeah, does this. If anything... He That's got, the work of a younger man. It really is. The, the, the older he got, the more just aggressive he got sound, you know, sounding. And yeah, like you say, that's usually he's got he's got completely the other way, which is partly why I became obsessed with him for a while. Because I remember very, really so. very vividly, the first time I gave him a listen, I bought Scott One and The Drift. And yeah. I remember vividly putting Scott on, go, I really like that. Then put the drift on. So how did we get from there to there in 30 years? Absolutely. How, how did that happen? I mean, you listen to Nighthawks at the Diner and then put on Real Gone. It's the same, but, you know, I, frankly, I prefer Scott, but hmm. I mean, that's that, because I prefer... Has hit the bloodline I mean, to... <laughs> there's there's no secret why the four main people I've had absolute musical love affairs with have been David Bowie, Scott Walker, Tom Waits and Nick Cave. There seems to be, you know, a common denominator there, which is uh, all artists who just... Fearlessness. An yeah, an entire career just changing their sound the entire time. I mean, in many ways, Bowie's the the sort of outlier there, isn't he? Because he is, frankly, he, might... he will just go backwards and forwards over that yeah. line. Um, and sometimes he's made some incredible bilge. Uh, he's also made the, the best albums. <laughs> the best ones. <laughs> Just the best albums. I didn't realise, I haven't had time to listen to it, but I'd forgotten that he covered Night Flights on... Yes, he did. Black Tie, on... White Noise. On the Black Tie. Which is, a, I would say, quite a bad album. It's not a very good version, and that was probably my first time of hearing the song Night Flights. It's a shame, isn't it? It but, is um, a shame. Uh, David had, dear, dear David, sometimes ruined songs when he covered them. I mean, see, hear, God only knows. <laughs> yes, please, please, please see that for evidence. Um, but it is a kind of a slightly upsetting thing that he was such a passionate Scott Walker fan and by all accounts, if you were to believe that Scott Walker heard Heroes and went, I want to make something like that, that then Bowie would go and interpret one of Scott Walker's songs so blandly and just, mm. and it sits on one of his most forgettable albums. Well, it's a shame, isn't it, that he decided to do it around the time of Black Tie White Noise. Yeah, yeah which if you go listen to our other podcast, 
Breaking Glass with David Bowie catalogue, we settled on the opinion that it's not a bad album, just a really forgettable one. Well, certainly, I don't really remember any of it. Yeah, and that's only borne out by its reputation over years. And Can you imagine if he'd, if he'd maybe recorded this while he was in the middle of recording Earthling? That at least would have been interesting. It would. It probably would have been an absolute disaster, but it would have been interesting. I know that that version they put out of him doing um, Bob Dylan's Trying to Get to Heaven around the Earthling time, it sounded very unearthling-like. I was like, oh, Bit of a shame. <laughs> pretty good, which is probably why I didn't end up on Earthling. I like Earthling. I like Earthling, even though you can't remember the actual title track. Oh, no, not rem- not even remotely. But uh, I don't need to when um, it's got Little Wonder. Little Wonder, yo. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's Night Flight's one of those songs I don't really know what else to say about it, just other than just blind, maddening praise and just... I oh, just... it's flawless. So I, I, you'll, you'll hear some of it because I'll put it in the bed of it, but I just implore any of you listening to this, if you've never just listened to the Walker Brothers Night Flight song, please just go listen to it. Like, even turn us off right now and go listen to it. Even if you don't listen to the rest of the record. Mm. Although, you'd be missing out on three other absolute belters, but... And Gary's. And he also has songs. (laughs) Night Flights is, well, again, zero surprises on the horizon for name your favourite track. Yeah. I mean, because Night Flights literally is one of my favourite tracks. Yeah, because just, it's one just, of my it's one of my favourite songs, even shorn of the rest of the album. It's yeah. just it's massively in the the, the personal top ten, which is why oh, I was yeah. gobsmacked reading that uh, top ten songs of Scott. Uh, well, top ten Scott Scott songs mm. that the Guardian did after he died, and then they did the top ten audience like the readership songs. Uh, the readership, unsurprisingly pretty heavily in Scots 1 through 4, mm. uh, with Farmer in the City as the outlier. Uh, the guy who wrote the article had attempted to be a little bit more ambitious, and it, although he put epizootics on there, which is just a lie, but he hadn't put night flights on. In what universe isn't this one of his best ever bits? So I, I think that when people think of night flights, they think of electrician, because that's just grown in stature over the years as a song. But I... I as, as much as I love the electrician, Night Flights just wins it for me, just hands oh, down. Sure, the electrician is is a wonderful piece of work, which I have grown in affection for this very week. Oh, but if you were if you were charged to go and listen to a song, I'm not going to put that on over this. No, because you, this you're, is breathtaking. You're you're not having as good a time with electrician. <laughs> just, no, I'm not at all. Right. Night Flights used to be my going out song. I used to be getting, getting ready for the Saturday night out on the night flights. Doom, 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 doom. Because I was cool, everyone. Yeah, he was. He was. Once. Bags. I mean, you got to remember that that's me that's saying that. And um, I do a podcast with you. We have similar modes. swooning and talk about the electrician yes now i i didn't know this but they released this as the single for the album (laughs) which i find a unique choice that seems uh an exercise in well 
Like I say, burning the house down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did not chart. No, I mean, imagine buying... Because, of course, this is pre-internet or anything like that. So you go, and maybe you can't afford an album because it's 1978 and they're still pricey items. Mm. So you run out and you buy... You know your friend has got a copy of The Electrician and you hear 40 seconds of weird atmosphere before he um. goes, Baby, it's I mean, I really enjoyed their cover of Boss Gags on the last album. What are they sounding like on this one? Ah! His song just creeps out the darkness. It's just those strings that sort of fade in. And my God, Scott Walker's man just likes to hold a tense string. He does. It just instantly sounds like a thriller. It's like, where the hell are we now? I mean, it, I know it's about a torturer um, working on his, his client. <laughs> on the quarry. Um, but even that is quite hard to see. Mm. Even the, uh, the that's that's the received sort of um, storyline of the song. But I don't yeah. think it's easy to see. And I think it, it's really juxtaposed with that orchestral bit in the middle. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, no. Da, 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 da. This song seems it actually has a three act structure, this song. No, no, it um, does, yeah, yeah. And so it's conflicting um kind of people say this is either a, a song about a CIA torturer, um or um it's about torture being done under uh, Pinochet's dictatorship in Chile. The idea of somebody popping this on while they tortured somebody is really odd. That would look so strange on a yeah, on if you were filming a sequence about torture or something. Hmm. I mean, because it's gorgeous in parts. It is because I I would be more inclined to go with the theory that it's about Pinochet's uh, dictatorship because. Like I say, you have this opening, which is these dark, cinematic, really intense strings. Then you have this absolute ecstasy and explosion of... Light. Is, you, yeah, so you go through this you know, this dank, horrible, dark, torturing scene, and then it's almost like the victim itself is going off into a mental... You know, like the, the uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, where... It, oh, spo- yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, everyone, at the end of the film, he kind of just goes into his own mind of, life is better in my mind right now because I'm being tortured. I always take that orchestral sequence in The Electrician as sort of that, the equivalent of that. And then you get those kind of, I think, Chilean sounding guitars thrown in, which is why I think, you know, the claims of it based around Pinochet kind of ties in a bit. Yeah, makes sense. And of course, Pinochet was just surrounded by handles (laughs) that one could jerk. Jerk the handle. <laughs> You'll die in your dreams if I jerk the handle. And then it's, but you'll die in your dreams if I then there's jerk the handle again. But then it's, you'll thrill me and thrill me and thrill me. Thrill me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a, it's a bizarrely like say the masochistic song again, which is how he described the song Matilda back on his first album. But it does have that element of... Matilda is a little bit more fun. 
yeah, yeah, grant you, grant you that. <laughs> but it's this, yeah, it's this incredible six-minute song of just opens because it's bookended as well by the dark sequences of the torture sort of coming into the layer, whatever you want to call it. Then this orchestral flight of fancy, and then we're just still back in the song ends on a real down note of like, no, no, we're still back in this torture room and this person. And then the way the song ends, it just kind of like has that whirling vroom, vroom, just it sounds like it's, this is going to just keep on going and going and the horrors aren't going to end. It is, there, there's very little hope in this song. It's a, it's a real like the song ends, you're just like, what the hell was that? Yeah. You can, you can see why he put it at the end of his bit. Yeah. If anything, this should have been the last song on the album, really. Yeah, it does feel like a closer, doesn't it? To have the full effect of, you know, that that finishing up of the song. But yeah, no, it's it's an absolute masterpiece of a song. I know I say I prefer I like I prefer Night Flights just as a song to listen to, but oh, I yeah, just I, do, I can't but... I can't fault this song. But the the accomplishment of the electrician can't be denied. It's a, a startling piece of work. Really, yeah, Even star- startling's a word. Night flights is more fun. Yeah. I think I, I even got a note here where I just thought I could even hear like elements of Philip Glass in here, just because as the song opens, you got that really just low in the mix, but very dark sounding choir, just go, oh, which reminded me of um, Koya Nascotsi. Which would actually be in the eighties, but still, like eh, it's got some Philip Glass vibe here. Hmm. So, but I think yes, there's a little bit of that. But I think that the thing that it sounds most like is Scott Walker in a, in about probably what ten years, maybe I mean, less. Is, I mean, those are the thing as well. It's like I try as hard as I might, I can't think of any other artist who sounds like Scott Walker. I don't just mean his voice. No, he's, I can't. Um, I can't compare him to anyone. There's, he's probably approaching certain metal acts and black metal, but um, yeah, I can't think of any just no, standalone no, person. No. He he is he is unique. He really is. So, do you know what's a real uh, palate cleanser? Is after listening to Electrician, is hearing some smooth saxophone. Dun dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I can respect this saxophone on Death of Romance. It's a shame, isn't it? It is a shame. I mean, the, the album absolutely should start with Shut Out, but it absolutely should end with Electrician. Yeah, it should. Um, I also think it's... I quite like Death of Romance. I think I it, it's fine. Yeah, can you imagine what the same song would sound like if it was in Scott's hands? That's the mm. problem. Like the one more glance, one more, one more glance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing here. Gary is a slightly the more death of romance. Yeah, he's not as a compelling <laughs> singer. <laughs> Disengaged, I think you sound. As, as a singer, disengaged would be the word. Yeah, yeah, shut up. Something you do notice with the, 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 the next six songs by Gary and John is they are trying to sound 
edgier. Yeah, oh, definitely. And that's true of Death of Romance, yeah. in fairness. The problem it has is obvious that they opened with Scott's songs. Yeah. So you've been just hit with a barrage of invention. And then you've got this, uh, how would you call it? Sort of laconic, one more glance. Yeah, you just got something that would sound fine listening to it at midnight driving on the motorway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... It's inoffensive, it's fine. It's it's funny, it's Death Romance is not a bad song, it's just absolutely fine. But it's, it, it comes after the electrician, for God's sake. I have enjoyed Death of Romance upon occasion. Mm. I really have, but... Um... It absolutely works better listening to it cold, not listening to it on the album. It works better if the you're not listening to the album in sequence. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. If you just cut, if it's on your shuffle and it appears, that's ah, fine. It's good. Oh yeah. Oh, this is a bit. Of, this is a bit of niceness. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it's immediately after the electrician, which is you're just not ready for it. Yeah. Your it... your mood has been toyed with. It's really jarring because you're coming out of the electrician, which is actually, you know, quite a disturbing experience. And then you just got this really pleasant, smooth saxophone. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. One more glance at the death of Rome. Yeah, it's really boring, Gary. Yeah, it's like Baker Street, isn't it? It is. It is a bit Baker Street-esque. Which is fine. but I, mean, I like more... Baker Street. I do too, but it is... I cannot think about Baker Street without thinking of Terry Wogan. I think he played it every day. He, was, <laughs> he kept Jerry Rafferty in uh, ducats because the finger thing means money. The finger things mean money everywhere. Yeah. What about Gary's other hot disc for the album? <laughs> well, Pop Pickers, uh, I think it's his the better of the two. I think it's definitely the one where he tried to be more uh, experimental. I mean, the sax has now been replaced by thundering piano. I mean, the problem as well is still the... It's raining in the backseat of my Cadillac. Yeah, it's big Danny Den Haig. <laughs> so um, I tried Googling Den Haig. Uh, couldn't find what the hell Den Haig is. Is it The Haig? Yeah, I assumed it was The Haig. Uh, presumably because they were aware that Gary and John were going to be tried for war crimes. <laughs> I mean, oh, hello. Hiya. Oh, it says Bridge, Gary Walker and Dennis Weinreich. I assumed it was Scott singing the uh, other lyrics. No, Scott just does bass and keys on this. I was absolutely convinced that that was Scott singing some other time. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, Scott was busy on bass. Of course he couldn't sing as well at the same time. Also, he didn't want to. Gary didn't want to position him even further. Uh, we're very grateful for your time, Mr. Scott. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Engel, actually. Mr. Engel. Sorry, we're very grateful, Mr. Engel. <laughs> John, I hope you're taking notes for the book. Gary knew his place. Yeah. I think Den Haig is, is quite an interesting little song. Den Haig. <laughs> you scare me good. No lie. No idea what it's about. No idea. I also don't care enough to read into it. <laughs> just um, which, is, which is, I think, the problem with the record. Mm. But I still think that these two are probably better than some of the next ones. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's anything. I mean, yeah, he's he's got some milk bottle sounds in here. He's trying to be a bit kooky. Yeah, I like the. Um, is it like a harpsichord that sounds like it's, you know, the ding 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 bit, and it sounds like mm. it's going to fall over. That that quite like that. Yeah, and and I think Scott. I think it's faced... just before the the um, the the bit with the extra I, vocal. I, I feel the hand of Scott there because uh, he does play keys on it, so it could actually be. Oh, so the bit that he's on. Yeah, the good bit is the Scott Walker <laughs> bit in the song. Yeah. I mean, it, that tracks, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll just add that to the file. Some of you listening may be thinking we seem very pro Scott Walker and anti Gary and John, and you'd be right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not anti them. Um, I don't wish them harm. I think the problem is to be anti them, that would require having a really strong opinion on them. This is true. Uh, I remain firmly indifferent. I, I wish them both well, but they were attached to one whose star was greater. I believe John is now dead. Oh, good. I don't <laughs> mean that. I don't mean that at all. Well, oh, that's appropriate. No. Um, <laughs> as, of course, is Scott, so... Mm. I mean, um, Gary wins. What does that mean? Gary, yeah, Gary's won. <laughs> Rhythms of vision. Yeah, what do you think but- of his voice? I don't like John Walker's voice at all. I find it really weak. There's some, there's a throaty quality to it that I find quite great in. With those vision, you're in my mind. Because he, he always sounded good. And then on these songs, yeah, he sounds, and it's because he's trying to give his voice that more gruff edge. It just, it sounds disingenuous and doesn't work. I'm trying to sound like, no, no, you don't do that very well. I, I, I think that the, the, the verse on the night of the moon, moon, the rights of the witch, RTC, you lost, lost to, to the, the bitch. bitch. I think there's it, something. He's wearing his shirt is open down to his navel. There's yes. a medallion on. Oh, uh, he's trying to look at it, probably like Tom Jones. Oh, and, it, and it's just. Fringy. And I, I really don't like the, the use of the word bitch because it just feels like he's trying to be childishly provocative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, it's, in it's lieu tr- of a personality. Yeah, whereas, you know, oh, I can't make the sound of an orchestra and do a song about a torturer, so I'll just throw the word bitch in there. No, that would be. I'll sing about a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Losing my hat to a woman. Some yeah. kind of monster. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's bit depressing in it and there's there is a horrible disco energy to there is the the, the backing singers who again they sound you know, great but they just yeah they just make well you feel fun. like so if if Scott Walker, vision. If Scott Walker was listening to his own demons, <laughs> and um, what's that Ezekiel? Gary was listening to Scott. John was listening to something at Studio Fifty Four, and then getting it wrong. <laughs> yes. Hey, that sounds great. <laughs> Having yeah. done all of the cocaine, mm, there is. I would say the spectre of cocaine. Mm, uh, I would. Luke, Looms large. <laughs> Rhythms of vision. What, what could that be? Dancing. 
just dancing, looking at a dancer, a lady dancing, a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's got cheesy horns and an electronic organ sound in there, which I don't care. So yeah, the, the horns are um, made of primula. They're <laughs> revolting. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's just a chintzy sounding song. You know what I mean, don't you? His trousers are too tight. He's stuffed oh, his crotch. I, I'm picturing it exactly, yeah. Yeah, his hair is... I got you. Like, like some 60s um, acts did in the 70s and 80s. They sort of... It was still long, but they'd also like trimmed it into a, a vague sort of approximation of a style, and it looks wreck. There's nothing worse than a 60s artist's hair in the 80s. See, for reference, or... for reference, see every member of Genesis. Oh, don't, don't be like that. What about Mike Rutherford? Mike Rutherford was the worst of them. <gasps> I, would, I mean, I would say Mike Rutherford is also a superb example of a very wealthy older man now. He looks Just... absolutely dynamite. It was aged gracefully. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The salt and pepper beard... Always lots nice scarves around his. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, he looks fantastic. He does. He's almost, um, it's almost Justin Hayward levels of enchant uh, enchantment. Ah, uh, Justin. Justin. Uh. I've picked myself up off the floor. Disciples of Death! Oh. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Rhythms of Vision. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> it, it, kind it, of, it's definitely... It's just, uh, rhythms of Vision. Disciples of Death. <laughs> yeah, and Fury in the Fire kind of sounds like Disciples of Death. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, for the longest time listening to this album, I was always of the opinion, like, yes, of course, Scott Walker, whatever. The other ones are fine. Listening to to do this, I really I took exactly, exactly I the really same. took against John's songs on this. Yeah, I have the same journey, and that's happened basically since we said this is the album, since you chose this one, and I've listened to it a lot. Because I listened to it a lot years ago. Like, when you first got into Scott Walker and I joined you, and then I, I took it on holiday once when I was with Janet's family. So I just spent the sort of week just listening to a lot of Scott Walker. And I was of the opinion that, yeah, no, the other songs are fine. This week and a bit, my mm. friend, has led me to the sure and certain knowledge that the last four songs are a bit bobbins. And yeah. other people, if, some people that may not be familiar with the album may give it a spin and they may go... I think you're being a little bit unkind. Don't be like that. Live with it for longer. Mm. Listen to it more. And tell me if you can't see him waggling his groin. And he's slightly too old. And he's, oh, he looks awful. And the songs are libidin, libidinous, or however you say that word. And John's songs do not bear out repeat listenings. No, they don't. They're they're, they're each, simplistic throwaway. They are. Um, and each listen just 
you you can hear that more and more just like there's nothing here if these songs did not fall on an album that had scott's first four no one would know what they were no this would be consigned to history and just it's no one remember it all of those awful albums that scott walker did very very few people can tell you what even is on them Mm. because they're so forgettable and that's yeah Oh, Johnny has managed the same trick. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. These songs would be, I well, we wouldn't be listening to this music if it wasn't attached to Scott Walker. No, and I shan't be again. No, I won't be for a long old time now. Uh, interestingly, Scott is on backing vocals on this, but not on bass. Well, he told them all, I'm prepared to do what I will grant you one boon per <laughs> song. Is it bass or voice, baby? Yeah, it's got cheap sounding keyboards. It does sound really dated. Yeah, you've got lines in there like to feed on a ritual site for Will and the flesh alike. Again, he's trying to sound provocative, but it just doesn't doesn't work because the music sounds so cheesy around it. Oh my God, I've just read the lyrics of the next ones. Fury and the fire! Yeah! I mean, you know that you're dealing with a, a, a lyrical heavyweight when you're reading truth in the source living is truth truth in the source living is truth what? i like a bit of truth source on my toast yeah oh. i mean they're really all of a piece rhythm rhythms of vision deci- deaf disciples whatever bloody hell it's called and fury in the fire because they they're all, they're all big free song sweet as in they all kind of sound the same Mm. Oh, I'm just yearning for those days of Den Haag. Den Haag. You chill me. You chill me, Den Haag. No lie. Well, I do like the little guitar riff in Fury and the Fire, but that's about it. Um, it, He gets a guitar solo in there. That's that's fine, because that's better than hearing John singing. Help! Um, yeah. I think Child of Flames is marginally better. Oh, fame? No, Child of Flames. No, I I just hear this as fame. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's definitely better than the, the preceding three. I think maybe one of the reasons why I hold it in esteem is because I think, well, if it I sounds it, different, it does sound different. But also, if I'm in my car, I know I've only got to get through a couple of minutes of it, and then the shutout will come on automatically because the album will just play again. Oh, so you cool. think any minute now, any minute now, we'll have a lot more fun, everyone. I don't think you can really commend a song for just being like, oh, good, soon it will be over. <laughs> and yeah, here we that's, are. That's a selling point for it. <laughs> Mercifully brief. <laughs> Child of Flames, mercifully brief. Child of Flames. It does sound like he's written a song for some god-awful I don't want to see this musical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he's they're surrounded by dancers that are wearing orange leotards with sort of yes. like ribbons. Yes. And they're spinning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and by musical, you mean Pan's People. Pan's People, Yes. Yes, terribly theatrical. Lots of piano, backing vocals are back. A lot of hand claps are noticed on this one. Yeah, a lot of hand claps. Ties in with the whole Studio 54 thing. 
Yep. <laughs> the nose thing was cocaine. What were you thinking, man? <laughs> Did you not think you had Did you not hear the other songs? <laughs> you had access to Scott Walker. You could have asked him. Can you imagine when they actually... They did a blind listen for the first time, the whole album back to back, and you heard the first four songs. You probably just go, oh, shit! Imagine Scott turning around and going, guys? <laughs> guys? No, no, John, I'm sure your songs are fine. Why don't we just give, <laughs> me, give it a listen? I'll give you my oh. hon honest opinion. I'll hush him now. I'll hush him now, Everybody, John. have a seat and we'll have a gander at what John and Gary have committed to vinyl. <laughs> Now, now, everyone stop his sniggering. <laughs> Gary worked really hard on these two songs. <laughs> They're... What? So... <laughs> I got my nose mixed up. I was going to go, he worked very hard on these two songs. Sorry, there have been four songs? Oh, I must have, <laughs> I must have dozed off a little. Uh... <laughs> oh, um... Uh, um or was it the one about Child of Death or... Or some, something <laughs> of that nature. It was some, a song, I think, about rhythms of fury and uh, disciples. <laughs> fury and fire and, and child children and death. John, <laughs> you, you should be really proud your career has lasted this long. John, the fact that you have managed to make so much of so little is, <laughs> For is, so well, long. is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, it's a testament to your never-say-die spirit. <laughs> Tell you what. If this one of these things near your six pieces really demonstrate is that you had pretty faces and were charismatic in the 60s. And that I think that's terrific, guys. Well done. Oh, well done. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, do we have any feedback on mine? <laughs> is that, uh, that, that expression you're doing there, is that an endorsement or criticism? I thought we were just, I thought we'd agreed, Scott, that we were just going to cash in. Oh, come now. I don't want to throw away an opportunity. John, what is, uh, what is this you're listening to? What is, what is Saturday Night Fever? Is it, <laughs> is it from Europe? Is it? Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> Sounds fascinating, John. Is that a treatise? What, what, what is that? <laughs> You, I mean, I imagine, I assume, reading at face value of the title, that it is simply a fascinating discourse on Jesus Christ in his role as the first celebrity. <laughs> right, before we wrap Did you up... hear that, that story about um, Donnie... Danny Trulli, you know, the, the big tough guy, star of Machete. Oh, yeah, yeah. When his mother had died and people were offering him his condolences and he was deeply uncomfortable and then the guy operating the puppet of Kermit the Frog said, sorry about your mom, daddy. And he burst into tears. I think that story is supposed to demonstrate, you know, we're all the child within. However, mm. what it actually demonstrates is how screamingly cuntish that is. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody's mother has just died... Don't make the puppet talk. Yeah. Maybe say just... nothing. Or or use your adult human voice. Yeah. So I'm really Peter, sorry, about, your sorry yeah. about your mother's passing. I mean, there is a school of thought I'd think I would quite like to get condolences from a Muppet. And I've arranged for that to happen, yeah. <gasps> Who dies? I mean, it's Beaker, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to convey. 
me, me, me. Oh, I'm already, I'm already cheered up. <laughs> See, when someone dies, I'll just be like, it's fine, Beak will be here in a minute. Oh. Won't he? Won't he? <laughs> yes, yeah, so just before we wrap up, I did, I took chance to uh, give, I gave a quick shout to my, uh, my dear aunt, Ricky, for she has been a, a long time Scott Walker fan and was, you know, a... Oh, in, she's a professional Scott botherer. In, in in their prime Scott fans. So I was just kind of, I wanted to... Well, she's watched all of this happen in real time, which I find extraordinary. Yeah, whereas we're Johnny Come Lately for Scott Train, and, you know, kind of just picking up these albums, Hiver and Viver. I was just, I was kind of interested just to hear her take on, you know, growing up with the Walker Brothers and the Scott solo albums, and then Night Flights appears out of nowhere. So I, just, I was just interested to get her take on it. And uh, what she came back with is, um, I recall I found it quite a difficult listen the first few times after the simplicity of No Regrets and Lines. Having said that, it definitely seemed closer and truer to what Scott was doing on his earlier solo albums, Three and Four specifically, and even Orpheus from Images. Orpheus is a good song. Scott seemed to be looking forward to where he was planning to go with his future solo stuff and dragged John and Gary along with him. Yes. Oh, kicking and screaming. By the medallion. <laughs> Their stuff is pretty bleak too. For them? <laughs> it's fairly bleak for separate reasons. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh my, yes. Reading the lyrics to their tracks written by them, apparently, I do wonder whether Scott had a hand in them. It's a good point, yeah. Love the idea. Well, I mean, they, they follow a similar sort of structure. There's lots of uh, lines that are like one word, hey, which wait. is something that Scott very much likes to do. Why, why don't uh, you just give me that lyric sheet and I'll try hey, and uh, pep, pep it up a little bit. I'll give it a quick once over. Yeah, and if you want about some spooky strings. Um, are we absolutely dead set on the word, bitch? <laughs> Is that a showstopper? <laughs> anyway. Let me go with something else, like Maven. <laughs> <laughs> a murder of crows. <laughs> anyway, after me going off on a tangent. I don't think but... you've read any of the books I lent you, John. <laughs> <laughs> After me gone off a bit of a tangent, the contrast with No Regrets and Lines was significant. But I think as far as I remember, I saw those two albums of Scott's solo stuff um, after Till the Band Comes In as blips, either part of a record company dues or to make some money. And John and Gary went along for the ride. I mean, presumably it failed to make money. Oh, the Night Flight's album? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I think it's Sunk Without a Trace. I mean, the idea of the record company hearing it going, they're back! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, put the electrician out! <laughs> Rolling in the aisles. The roar of the tower, crowd, Natasha. Yeah. Um, I, I mean... From the band that brought you no regrets. <laughs> a song about torture. the handle. <laughs> you die in your dreams. I mean, it's, there's a reason it was out of print for the best part of 20 odd years um because it just died a death and then just it grew in this mythic you know the, the whole way the whole scott solo output many thanks to julian coke there for kind of spearheading that campaign but night flights but is very much part of that he's got a lot in common with scott walker does julian coke doesn't he? he does in, in ter terms of artistic sensibilities and where his career went and just but plowing his own furrow irrespective of what is desired of him. Oh yeah, and what he could have made money from. 
I mean, the Walker Brothers could have continued with lesser degrees of success, but they could have probably kept churning out more albums like Lines and No Regrets and made a bobble tune. Oh, and they could have made a very pleasant living touring mm. the hits. Yeah, absolutely. Because by 1978, the the repackaging of the 60s was had, had already been going on for years. Yeah. They were already reselling golden oldies. Yeah, they were, yeah. So, yeah, it's however you want to read it. It's like it's a very it's a very belligerent last stand to say That's right. Superb way of describing it. Or the belligerent just, last stand of the Walker Brothers. Just saying, fuck it, this is our last album. Let's do what we want. We're not even going to do songs together. I was, let's just do a song and each and all that. Yeah, or, let's do what we want. Let's make a sexy disco album. Yeah. I'm not going to do that at all, John. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, you... sorry, John. I've got no interest in that at all. Did you not watch those Polanski films I sent you? <laughs> not one jot. Not one jot. Which is actually the chorus of a number I'm working on. Not one jot! <laughs> Isn't that a song on Bish Bosh? Not one jar. It, really, oh, no. it, it genuinely could be. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, yeah, either belligerent last stand or just out and out career suicide. Not one jot! Not one jot! Have you seen Solaris? Oh, thank you to your auntie. Yes, thank you, Ricky, for that. Much appreciate. And again, thank you for buying me Night Flights on Vinyl. Yeah, I'm deeply envious of that. Yeah, as you should be. So it's safe to say, it, it, despite misgivings of some of the songs on it, we're absolutely keeping night. Or I, how about this? Why don't we keep the shutout EP? Okay, but occasionally I might listen to Den Haig. Den Haig. Den Haig. Haig. Den. Den Haig. Yeah, but. It, for all for all the talk of that, it, it's a good album. It, they're not as good. They're not. They're not very good songs. Let's just say they're not very. Gary and John bless them. They haven't very good. They aren't very good songs. But because you have that four opening salvo of Scott Walker songs, which are all nine and tens, it's just it absolutely you must. You I simply must. I think, I think they're all tens. I don't. Mm. I think you'd be hard pushed to drop drop a point. I think you'd be doing it for the sake of not devaluing the 10. But in which if you do, you make a mockery of the 10 star system. <laughs> um, I mean, because I will don't... accept not one jot less than 10. <laughs> not one jot! <laughs> I mean, yeah, because uh, you, you go from absolute top of a mountain with night flights to child of disciples of fury. Child of romance. <laughs> And something about witch, and it rhymes with bitch. Oh, and... yeah. Thank you, Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah, God, they're... oh, I feel for them. Yeah, I mean, so then it's songs we could leave off the album. All of John's, <laughs> easy, start. easy one. Bet. So, what would be the bet? Is it just is it just night flights is the best? I think the electrician is probably one of the most interesting because it's yes. the it, it, it's such a sort of artistic statement. Like you say, it's got the three act structure. 
it's a very clear indicator of what the future has in store for Scott Walker. Mm. But it doesn't have the madnesses of Fat Mama Kick. Yeah. It doesn't have the I mean, I really the immediacy of the shutout is fabulous. That's something but we didn't we Nightlights is, is the winner. Because I was gonna say that's something we didn't mention about Shutout and Fat Mama Kick is both those songs are under three minutes long. They pack a lot in for less than oh, three yeah, minutes. Yeah. You're getting a, a lot of bang for your buck. Oh yeah, getting more than what John could do in four and a half minutes. John. Well, that's just it as well. John's songs are twice as long. John's songs are twice as long. Whereas Scott, Scott, <laughs> sorry, I'd say enough. <laughs> fair uh, enough. Fair enough. They're so brisk. Mm. It's just, it gets a, it gets a shit in. He gets does. It in. Right. God, so, yeah. Just, yes. Yeah. I've, I've been very happy listening to. Oh, I've loved so, it. I've yeah. loved every second of it. The Scott ones, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I've loved every second of the first four songs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, I know I will continue to for because many years to come. Perfect. Yeah. They don't date. They don't age. They sound... That's the, that is the important... They, they haven't dated. But they, that's the incredible thing about them. Is they don't sound like they were recorded in 1978. They sound like Scott Walker songs. Yeah, exactly. You, you could actually listen to them. Yeah, in terms of just the instruments on there, they have to be... set post-1975, but after that, you couldn't necessarily place them. They could yeah, have been no. done in the 90s, they could have been done five years ago. Because they, they, they sound nothing like what's happening in the rest of music. No. Maybe, maybe a little bit of Heroes, maybe. I mean, but, yeah, and maybe some of the bass here and there, but... But, but I think I th- Heroes has got a very different energy to it. I, I, yeah. Because I, I think um, Scott took it to a less optimistic place. <laughs> yeah, but still... But more beautiful. But still some funky bass in there. Yeah, but... Which yeah. Heroes does not have. No. no. And it's quite a desolate album. We're not going to take away from Heroes, obviously, but... Oh, good God, no. See our um, Bowie podcast episode. Yeah, where we discuss Heroes to our mutual satisfaction. For about um, three hours. Yeah, I mean, brevity was not a word that we were familiar with. Um, no. It was... I, I Every... The four songs to finally get my sentence out are so perfect that I haven't felt the need to listen to anything else really because all music is in them. (laughs) All of the noises that you might like are in four songs. (laughs) That is genius. So to conclude everyone, all of music is in the first four songs of Nightlife. All of it. Because you've got it's the the slow bits and fast bits, and there's he pl- his voice is just oozing over all of it, and the the desperate sound of the guitar on shut out, which frankly is just is what so many guitar solos want to be. Mm-hmm. It's just that peeling note. Oh, that wasn't a cat. It's. <laughs> <laughs> How will we know the great all? Right, so we're keeping it. We're keeping it. Well, another song. So, shall we spin that damn wheel to see who picks next time? Spin it. Away she goes.
fussy, 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 you do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham, or Twyla, 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 or Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. Oh, that, that klaxon once again raises... Oh, the harbinger of grey. The, the, that mysterious figure from across the room. He's shuffling over to us, Adam. Yes, by gum, it's Grey Westgate once again. He returns to the party. And what is he going to tantalise us with this this time? I, he's just handed me the silk envelope, which contains within... It doesn't bode well. A Pokemon card, uh, some staples... Yeah. Just Whedon ephemera. It, yes, yes, um, yes. He didn't hurt anyone. Well, begged to differ, Grey. Um... <laughs> Oh yeah, what's this in here? Uh, oh yeah, it's a. Oh, what, what's this? It's the program from Godspell. What's this written on this socky handkerchief? It's it, it can't quite. Boon to the oh, but so, oh, the I, uh, oh, I see. So next time, Gray is bringing us "Born to Run" by Bruce Springsteen. Oh fuck! <laughs> How long did you think you could get away in this endeavor without listening to some Bruce Springsteen, Adam? Well, longer than this. Longer <laughs> than this. I thought I thought I could spin it out a little bit longer. No, um, I'm just a working man. <laughs> there you go. That's his entire output. River free hour Broadway show. Honestly, that thing on Netflix. I was about to watch it one night, and I went, "Fuck off! It's three hours." No, thank My you. Denim's not tired enough. I I I like Bruce Springsteen. I do you. I've gone into him as I've gone older. All of it. I've gone into him as I've gone older. There's a lot of it. I listened to all of it. I, I've done the listens. I've done have the discography. You? Yeah, I have. I can't claim to remember a lot of it, but I've Is listened it to every a album. Lot of it sounds the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, people, there's certain songs I love. People love him. I, I he know. Is so mega. I, I knew a man who'd been to see him live at least 20 times and was a die in the wall fan. Uh, I mean, there's certain songs I do love. I genuinely love yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I'm of Philadelphia, hoping, some I'm songs on the river. I am sincerely hoping that what happens here is there'll be some sort of Damascene conversion like there was with Prince. And mm -hmm. I will suddenly become a Springsteen guy. However, I fear what will happen is that I will be bored for about how long's the album? Three hours? I imagine it's about three hours. Three hours sounds right. Yeah, that's how they use it. About the sort of length, the length of time it takes to make a Model T Ford, that sort of something like that. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish we were doing Nebraska. Uh, that's more my isn't, jam. Or the, or the river. But, isn't Nebraska and the river, aren't they supposed to be the artistic high points? Yes. And what are we doing? Are we doing Born to Run or Born in the USA? Born to Run, the, course, the one in the 70s. He has so many ideas that he's picked. He's named two of his albums. Now, now. On. So, which, sorry, which one? Born to Sodding Run. And that's the one with his face, not the one with his ass. <laughs> no, it, we, we're son's ass on this one. This is right, the one where okay. on the album cover, it's him leaning against... Uh, oh, with his, with his hand coquettishly against his face, like a scamp. Yeah, looking a bit Cat Stevens-like. Which, yeah, stands him in good stead. <laughs> I mean, the muscular, the muscular songs of the proletariat is so grey. Yeah, yes, I, <laughs> I, well, you know what I picture when I think of grey is hands covered in dust from brick and concrete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. After a, a, the, the sheen of sweat from an honest day's toil 
Yes, so please join us next time, everyone, where Grey Westgate shall return with Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. Now, actually, I can't remember. Is that with the E Street Band? Uh, it's certainly with his band, isn't it? Because there's only him and... Is it Clarence Clemens, do you think? That's guy? it, Clarence Clemens, who is cut off on the album cover in some sort of Ernie Hudson game cut-out Ghostbusters move. Yeah, and the rest of them just aren't there. Born to Run. Yeah, it's, it's Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Born to Run. And if there's anything you'd like to suggest for us to listen to at the party, you can get in touch with us via Facebook. We're at Party Listen on Twitter. You can find us at Instagram at Listening Party with Adam and Mike. Look for um, Montague, the Skull headphones guy. I think you said Magnus last time. It was Magnus, but now this week it's Montague. Fair enough, right. Yep. Okay. Uh, Join yeah, us you... next week with Millicent, the Skull. <laughs> No, it's a gentleman. Uh, you can email us at listeningparty at gmail.com. And yeah, and if you uh, are so inclined, we'd really appreciate if you'd like and subscribe us on wherever you get your podcast from. That would be sincerely appreciated. And then you'd help part, us. Part of the 10 year plan. Part of the 10 year plan. 2026. It's coming up everywhere. It'll be here quicker than I mean, we know it. It's 2024 it. at the start of the podcast, so we've already we've added two years just by so, virtue of talking about night flights. We're we're helping you by moving the goalposts some, so you've got some more time, everyone. Yeah, to really get on board to help us gain consequence. That's, that's all we want—a little all bit of consequence. A bit just of a little bit of consequence. Not one jot. So until next time, everyone, we shall return with Grey and Born to Run. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.